This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You've got Smitty here with you from the Sports Talk Radio Network and with you every day on the Locked On Clemson Podcast. And it's almost baseball season. That's so exciting to me. And last night we had the opportunity to talk with Monty Lee. We're going to bring you a lot of that today. There's also basketball to be played. Clemson's on the road at Pitt. Huh. Now, that's not been a lot of fun to talk about in, uh, in recent times, which is why we've been continuing our feature, the top 29 wins, ranking them in Clemson's 29-game football winning streak. We're rolling into the top 10 now, on our way to number one. And on tomorrow's podcast, we're going to have Pat Daniel join us from Sports Talk as well, and he's going to critique my top 10, measure up my top 10 with his top 10, so we'll do that. But right now, let's look at baseball. Uh, This is a team in Clemson that made the NCAA tournament a season ago, wasn't able to get out of the regional. They failed to do that under Monty Lee, and he owned that uh, in our conversation with Monty, and he owns up to that and knows that this is a club that, that has to do better because that's the reputation, that's... The funding for Clemson baseball, uh, the recruiting area, they have so many things going for them. No excuse not to get out of the regionals. Monty owns that. And if you're curious as to my opinion on Monty, I love him as a coach. I love him. I know it hasn't gone Clemson's way. But I think Monty Lee is absolutely 100% the right man for the Clemson job, not just a great baseball coach, not just a sharp guy. He's the right fit for Clemson. You just have to allow the pitching to catch up. And I think this is the first year under Monty Lee heading into it, despite a few injuries, where you can truly expect him to utilize this pitching staff to its fullest. He has the tools he needs. Now, they'll be a little bit different offensively, and we'll let Monty Lee tell you about that, uh, about how Clemson is going to change their approach a little bit at the plate based on the guys they've got available to them. And, of course, some bad news with Jonathan French, a freshman catcher who was drafted, and a lot of uh, high expectations for Jonathan. Uh, He's out with a leg injury, as Monty keeps calling it, out at least six weeks weeks. But I'm so excited about Clemson baseball. I'm excited about this team this season. I think, I know they were picked tied for fourth in the ACC. That's something we went over previously. I think this is absolutely, again, an NCAA tournament team. And I think they will again host an NCAA regional. Let's hear from Monty Lee about Jonathan French, that injury how long he'll be out. I mean, it's another blow to Clemson on the injury front, but this is a player that will be back by the time Clemson's in that stretch run toward positioning for an NCAA regional. So we'll let Monty tell you about it. Well, he's got a leg injury. Uh, it was a very, very unfortunate. Jonathan, uh, you know, probably our number two catcher, but would have DH'd uh, when he wasn't catching. A very good offensive player, drafted out of high school, out of Parkview High School. Very, very talented player. Um, and it's just unfortunate, um, you know, had a had a leg injury and practice is going to be out. Um, we, we're not quite sure how long um, he will get reevaluated uh, in four weeks. 
Uh, so he's he's definitely going to be out. I would say bare minimum six weeks, um, but we will know more here in about a month. So it's a it's a big blow uh, to us. And Jonathan French will be missed. His bat will be missed because that's somebody that Monty is as you just heard expected to be in that lineup, whether or not he was catching. Um, and about Clemson offensively, here's what Monty had to say to us on Sports Talk about being better situationally this season, not perhaps not having the long ball power. So they need to be a longer lineup, be tougher outs throughout, and they will face plenty of good pitching with Louisville, Florida State, and more on that schedule. Face some really good pitching staffs, really good clubs. They open with a good club in Liberty, a team that won 43 games a season ago and went to a regional and split with Tennessee in that regional. Um, lost to North Carolina, was eliminated eventually by Tennessee. But don't forget, Liberty took two of three from the Gamecocks opening weekend in 2019. So, Monty knows he's got a tough task ahead. And here's how he thinks this team is going to look offensively and how they're going to generate runs. Well, we're going to have to be a team that just grinds out of bats. I think that's, that's the big thing. You're going to see us... We're gonna we're gonna have to uh, situation. We're gonna have to be a good situational hitting team. We're gonna have to be able to hit and run and advance runners and get butts down and, and safety squeeze and and battle with two strikes and uh, be more of a line drive gap to gap oriented offense. You know I, I don't expect us to be as powerful, uh, but you know I think it's a team that is going to have to be a one through nine. Uh, pass the baton on type offense. It's kind of what we call it, just passing on, you know, good at bat to good at bat and good at bats and take our walks and our HBPs and, and just really just put together quality at bats. And, and uh, you know, that's that's going to be a the big – that has been the big focus really since day one in the fall. And the guys have done great. They really have. You'll see us, you know, probably sacrifice bunt more, mm-hmm. you know, than we have in the past, at least early on, uh, just to take the run when we can get the run. Um, you know, we probably won't be able to play for the big inning quite as much just because we don't have that style of offense. But we do have some guys that can run. There's a number of guys in the lineup uh, that, that have speed. So that's going to be, uh, you know, a big part of what we do, too. We're going to have to try to steal some bases and put some pressure on the defense that way as well. So that's an exciting brand of ball that Clemson will be playing this season. And, and they'll be better athletically than they have been in the past, trying to take extra bases, longer lineup. Hopefully that athleticism will also lead Clemson to be better defensively behind a pitching staff. And what does that pitching rotation look like? We'll let Monty Lee tell you about it when we come back. He goes over the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday starters who will close for the Tigers as well. And I'll tell you, spoiler alert, there is a bit of a surprise for those that tracked this team closely last season. A bit of a surprise as to who he named the opening day starter. We'll hear that when we come back. This is your team every day, Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. They're already in French field goal range. And Lawrence, thought one, dumps it over the middle. ETN in space. ETN to the 10. Reeves, touchdown Tigers! A championship drive from the defending champs. This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast. Catching up with Monty Lee, Clemson baseball coach. They have suffered a couple of injuries, most recently to Jonathan French, who was expected to be one of the catchers for this club and was also going to get some time at DH. One of the fascinating things I think about this Clemson team heading into the season, picked fourth in the ACC, 
in a tie with Wake Forest, another team uh, expected to have a good season. So Clemson right there in good company. And then some elite teams like uh, Louisville and Florida State ahead with uh, NC State right there in the mix, also expected to be an NCAA tournament team. But one of the things about Clemson that's so fascinating is is the way Davis Sharp is going to be handled. Now, heading into the year, I thought perhaps because Sharp was probably the best pitcher, at least for 70% of last season. But he may have gotten worn down. It's hard to keep your focus doing all the things Davis Sharp was trying to do. Monty Lee had said a couple of weeks ago, or last week, that, uh, you know, he expected a sharp be near sharp to be near the top of the rotation. Now, one of the things I thought that Monty Lee might try to do is use Davis Sharp more situationally as a pitcher and maybe even push him back to Sunday. But I think what Monty is thinking here with Davis Sharp pitching on Saturday instead of Friday or Sunday is that he can just focus on being the starting pitcher on Saturday, save Clemson's bullpen. Now, what about the top of that rotation and who will start on Friday? To me, that was a bit of a surprise. Monty will tell you about it here as he goes through the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday starters for the opening weekend against Liberty. We're going to go with Sam Weatherly uh, in game one. Uh, Sam's a junior, left-hander, very talented, uh, has a chance to be a very very high draft pick. Um, In game two, we'll go with Davis Sharp. Um, you know, the All-American from last year is now a sophomore. And in game three, uh, we will go with Spencer Strider. Spencer is coming off Tommy John's surgery. He's, about, he's just over 12 months in, so he's going to be on a, on, a, on a limited pitch count. But we have to start him. Uh, go, coming off of a rehab, uh, it, it, at his stage in the rehab process, we can't pitch him out of the bullpen. He's going to have to start. So mm-hmm. we're going to pair him up. Uh, we'll pair him up. Uh, most likely with a Matt Clark and pitch Matt Clark behind him and give us, you know, really a good one-two punch on Sundays with those two guys going because Matt Clark is is really good for us. Well, we feel like Weatherly uh, has probably made the biggest jump from one year uh, to the uh, till from last year till this year. He's got the best stuff. I mean, he's got Friday night stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's left-handed. He's up to ninety-four. He's got a power slider. His slider is pretty much unhittable. Uh, you know, the the big question mark on Sam is just going to be he's got to command a baseball. That's going to be the big, you know, the big thing that we look at going into this weekend and every and every um, series with him is, uh, you know, is he going to fill up the strikes on enough? He's a high pitch count guy. He's going to there's going to be some innings where he throws 20 pitches in an inning. But he's also a guy that's going to strike out hitters. He's 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 got a power arm, power lefty. He's the best. um well, him and Askew, probably the two best athletes on the pitching side, and he is an absolute bulldog competitor. He is He's one of the toughest kids on this team. So when you look at, you know, a Friday night competitor, Sam's definitely the guy, uh, you know, that stands out when it comes to mentality and toughness. So Sam Weatherly, despite his troubles with walks last season, will get the ball on Friday. And I really think, and even Monty said there that, Sam Weatherly's guy, his pitch count can get a little bit high, so he knows he's going to have to use that bullpen on Friday. So I guess the thinking may be you utilize Sam Weatherly on Friday. If he doesn't have it, if he's not challenging hitters, you can pull him, go to the pen early because it's Friday, knowing you've got Davis Sharp to count on as an innings eater on Saturday. So then Davis 
refocuses, goes from either playing first base or DHing, batting in the middle of that lineup to then being a pitcher on Saturday. And then on Sunday, again, he's available as a bat, but then you back that up uh, with Spencer Strider, Matt Clark, uh, and hopefully if Davis Sharp can give you innings on Saturday, that bullpen is back rested from what they had to work up. what the work they had to do on Friday night. Now, that's all assuming Sam Weatherly doesn't have it. But, you know, maybe he does. Maybe these strides that Monty's talking about in the offseason are significant. And he's got the best stuff on the team. You heard Monty say that. And so he's going to challenge hitters. He'll go right at these guys. And we'll find out a lot because Liberty, uh, we'll find out a lot quickly because Liberty is a good offensive club. We talked about it on this podcast, 43 wins a season ago. So, that's how Monty's going to handle things from the pitching staff, at least opening weekend, at least early on. And we'll see how Sam Weatherly reacts to being the Friday night starter. That may be another thing Monty wants to find out. He may want to find out from Sam, hey, you have the best stuff on the team. You are electric. Go after these guys. I'm giving you the ball. Let's see how you handle the pressure opening day. And if he handles it, if he's really made those leaps, physically and mentally, then he's somebody that Clemson can count on on Friday nights, sets Davis Sharp up as your number two starter, and then if Weatherly is as good as Monty hopes him to be and will go after hitters, will challenge them, will eat some innings on Friday night and go toe-to-toe with some of the best uh, top line starters in the ACC, that you've got your bullpen, your complement of relievers, including closer Carson Spires, rested and available to you on Sunday. So that's the plan. We'll see how it works out. Good challenge to open with uh, against Liberty for Clemson. So we'll find out a lot about Sam Weatherly and uh, Matt Clark and Spencer Strider and Davis Sharp right here on the opening weekend starting Friday, uh, 4 o'clock at Doug Kingsmore Stadium. Going to go around the horn here and tell you about who's going to contribute at different positions, including a handful of outfielders. So he's got some at-bats, some platooning he wants to do. That's another thing I think you'll see opening weekend, a lot of Clemson players get in on the action. Who wins these jobs? And are any of these solid left-handed hitters going to be good enough and prove it to Monty that they can handle left-handed pitching as well? So here's Monty on who's going to start, who's going to play opening weekend. You know, I I would say that right now, Hackenberg, Adam Hackenberg will be our catcher. And Hack played a good bit for us last year uh, as a freshman. Um, had some good at-bats for us, had some good games, hit a few home runs early in the season, can really throw, can catch and throw. Third base, I'd say James Parker. Now, James had about 50 at-bats, I think, 40, 50 at-bats as a true freshman last year. Uh, Sam Hall uh, will most likely be our shortstop. Uh, Sam's probably our most experienced returning player. Um, You know, we've only got two guys that actually started and played every day last year that'll play for us this year, Sam being one of them. He's one of our best athletes. He's a He's a good defender and has played a number of different positions for us. Uh, but Sam will be our shortstop. Um, our second baseman will be Max Starbuck. Mac uh, just won the job, flat out won the job. We redshirted him last year. We had Jordan Green uh, that was a senior last year. And, and Max really a similar player to Jordan. Um, he's a high on base percentage guy. He's a good defender. Uh, we'll probably hit him down in the order. But um, we feel like Mac will be our second baseman. He's had an incredible fall and early spring. First base, you're going to see Chad Ferry. Chad played a lot for us last year. Had, I think, a 50-60 at-bats as a true freshman. Left-handed hitter, has some power. He could play some first base, could play some corner outfield. Davis Sharp will be in a mix there some, too, when he's not pitching. Uh, We also have Briar Hawkins, 
Uh, Breyer played a lot for us last year uh, at first base, so uh, Breyer could DH some and 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 play some at first base. But I'd say Ferry, you know, Ferry is is probably been the most consistent in the outfield. We've got Kier Meredith, and we just got to knock on wood that he can stay healthy. Uh, Kier looks really good right now. He's in good shape, doing a good job. He'll be our left fielder um, along with Elijah Henderson. Elijah Henderson uh, has probably been the most consistent hitter on our team uh, throughout the fall and the spring. He'll either DH or play left field, and, and the other one will DH. So if Kier plays left, Elijah will DH. If Elijah plays left, Kier will DH. Uh-huh. Um, in center field, uh, we got two guys that I think will play there. Uh, Bryce Teodosio, uh, who uh, you know has a lot of experience, played a lot for us last year. He'll be in there. Uh, and Bo Mikowski, Bo has been on fire. He's been swinging about really well. You know, I think he had close to a 400 on base percentage for us last year. Played some for us last year. Uh, Bo can play right field as well. Uh, the other guy that I think is going to be in the mix um, as he continues to grow and develop, but we think he has a, a just a immense amount of talent is Dylan Brewer was drafted uh, last year uh, out of high school by the Giants but he is a very very good player and Mm -hmm. he's going to be in the mix for us he's going to find a way uh, to to have uh, meaningful um, at bats and 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 play in a meaningful spot and a meaningful role I believe this year so we're we're going to probably wind up playing 11 or 12 guys I think early on until uh, you know we kind of see how those guys perform but um, you know I like our versatility and and I uh, feel like we've got an athletic team, and we just need to gain experience. And finally, we will hear Monty address how his team has performed or hasn't performed in the regional so far. It's something he'll own here. Uh, he's excited, obviously, about some of those athletes he just talked about, the style they're going to play. Uh, you know, a little bit more, I think, go, trying to go first to third. He said gap to gap power. So these going, guys are going to have to be on their toes offensively at all times when you want to play that way you've got to be locked in you have to be engaged because there's going to be more hit and runs more times you'll be hitting behind the runner trying to put the ball in play with two outs or two strikes and two outs those are the things Clemson's going to try to do and not rely so much on the home run this season so when you do that it it taxes you mentally so we'll see how Clemson handles that and how Monty handles the fact that he's had talent He's a good coach. I think if you're in the if you're in the industry and you've been around baseball coaches, everybody agrees Monty Lee knows the game. That's a good baseball coach. But they haven't advanced past the regionals in four seasons. So here's Monty's answer to that. You know, you look at what we've done in the last four years, and yeah, we've come up short in the regional round. Everybody knows that, and you know, they, everybody loves to talk about it. You know, uh, but in in our, in my first three years, you know, we 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 hosted a regional, and it's it's tough to do that. It's tough to put yourself in a position to do that, and I'm very proud that we've been able to do that. Um, but we've got to we've got to be able to uh we've got to be able to hold uh opponents down from a, a run scoring standpoint with our pitching staff and our defense we've got to be able to pitch and defend that's that's what the elite teams do at the end of the year we all know that it all is going to boil down to pitching a defense and situational hitting the teams that can situational hit because your run scoring opportunities just are a lot fewer and far between in the postseason you're mm-hmm. not going to bomb your way to omaha you know you're going to have to pitch and defend and 
and that's what we have not done a good enough job of in the postseason is, uh, you know, it's just being able uh, to run three quality guys out there on the starting end and hold a, a good team down, um, you know, with our pitching staff and with our defense. So, you know, that's that's our biggest focus. we got to pitch and defend, and we got to find ways to score runs, and, you know, hopefully we can be that type of team. Uh, that can do that. And personally speaking, I think this is the year, and I do think this team is built now. I think the pitching is laid out. They will be able to go toe-to-toe with enough arms, enough depth this season. Clemson's run out of pitching in the past, you know, April, May. I don't think that will be the case this time around. It will be interesting how Monty decides to handle Davis Sharp if – Mid-season, it seems like it's wearing on him, having so much pressure, batting in the middle of that order, also pitching in the middle of that rotation on Saturdays. But we're going to find out a lot this weekend. I think this Clemson team built the right way. I think they will respond, and I think this is the kind of team that will earn enough wins during the regular season to host a regional and then be a favorite in that regional at home. Now, can they get it done past that? We've got a long way to go. We've got months and months, a lot of pitches to be thrown in between now and then. There's going to be a lot of injuries, nagging injuries. Players will will develop. Players will go through slumps. Lineup will be shifted around. And other teams in the ACC are going to find themselves. So there'll be plenty of challenges for Clemson. We'll take our final break here on the Locked On Clemson podcast. When we come back, we'll go back to football, talk about the top 10 wins in Clemson's 29-game winning streak. We are up to number eight. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast, your team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Took a peek downfield, had a lot of room, and breaks a tackle, and is still running. Lawrence in a foot race. Will they catch him? Touchdown, Tigers! Wow! A game-changing play. We have been doing this feature a while here on the Locked on Clemson podcast. Top 29 wins in Clemson's 29-game winning streak. So just ranking them by order of significance. And I've told you we've got some people coming. I've got some uh, sports personalities scheduled to come on and critique my list. But we're going 10 through 1 today. So number 10, we've already talked about this, but uh, in case you've missed it, you can go back and listen to all 29. But number 10, the 2018 win over South Carolina, 56-35, basically on the strength of Trevor Lawrence and that Tigers offense putting up 744 yards against a Will Muschamp-coached defense. Number 9, the 2018 Pitt ACC Championship. Clemson wins 42-10. Game wasn't in doubt for a second, and it's a championship. Clemson's defense held Kenny Pickett to 4 of 16 passing. So number 10, big offensive performance. Number 9, big defensive performance. Number 8, in terms of the most significant wins in Clemson's top 29 uh, into the 29-game winning streak. Number eight, the 2019 ACC Championship over 22nd-ranked Virginia, 62-17. to 17. I upgraded this win after Virginia gave Florida all they could handle. Uh, Bryce Perkins played brilliantly in that ball game, and you could see just how good Clemson's defense played that night in winning 62-17. to 17. Now on uh, to some we haven't talked about. How about 2018 Syracuse 27 23, the Chase Bryce game. Everyone remembers this is the week Kelly Bryant left the program. Then Trevor Lawrence went down with an injury. Bryce had to step in. 
Clemson trailed in the game at home 6-0, 16-7, and 23-13 before springing the comeback behind 203 yards and three touchdowns from Travis Etienne. Such a great effort. And to see that team rally around Bryce, it showed the character of the team. And, and they could endure the bad breaks that you hit in a season. That made them a championship team. The great ones overcome. Big time win over a team that had beaten them just the year before. So Syracuse, boy, do they miss Eric Dungy. Uh, that was a team that was challenging Clemson, you know, beat a Clemson team, uh, you know, at home when Kelly Bryant was playing. And then uh, the next season, they catch a break, but then hang tough with the Tigers. And they're not that kind of program at all right now under Dino Babers. We'll see if uh, they can get it corrected, get it straightened out up there in Syracuse. Number six. Most significant wins for Clemson in their top 20 in their 29 game winning streak. 2019 Texas A&M 24 to 10. Not a banner day offensively for Clemson, but to prove this defense was going to, you know, be able to close uh, the gap on the championship defense from the previous fall, that was a big step. Never mind the final score. Clemson really held A&M to three points you know, in that game for 59 minutes, 55 seconds. They also held Texas A&M to 53 yards rushing in that ball game. You know that had to make Jimbo Fisher sick. So a great performance there from Clemson just this season over Texas A&M, 24-10. And the last one we'll go over today, number five on the list, Clemson's Top 29 wins in its 29-game winning streak. The fifth most significant, North Carolina, 21-20 this past year. I have this one ranked so highly because I think it showcased so many elements of Clemson's repertoire in terms of, uh, you know, that perseverance, the character of the team. We saw in big moments throughout the year, Clemson was able to just deal with a bad break, overcome it easily. This was a game Clemson didn't have. It wasn't their day. They still persevered, came up with the plays when they needed to have them, and it really opened us up to Trevor Lawrence as a runner. We all knew he was a very good athlete, but this was the game where he made so many big runs, picked up big-time third downs to, to move the chains. Uh, you know, We didn't see the kind of explosiveness we would see later against Ohio, Ohio State, but Lawrence really showcased himself as a runner in this one. James Skowski, heat-seeking missile in the game. His ability to diagnose plays quickly, and it was the first time we saw Trevor with his back against the wall in his collegiate career, and he responded. Hard-nosed runs, gutsy throws, big-time plays to T. Higgins. The defense also held Sam Howell, who went on to have a tremendous season. A rising star over there in the Coastal Division, 144 yards passing. That's kind of lost in all this. People remember the play Skalski made. People may remember Lawrence running. You may not remember Sam Howe got started out hot, but Brent Venables in that defense made adjustments, limited Sam Howe to 144 yards passing. Coaches kept it together too. A close call, but a testament, a testament to Clemson's toughness and why this was, again, an ACC championship team and made it all the way to the national title game. Um, you know, in defense of a championship. All right, so we'll stop there. We've got more uh, on that. The top 29 wins, we're, we're counting down to number one. We are all the way up to number five. We'll do that on our next episode, the next ep uh, next edition of the Locked on Clemson podcast. We're with you here every day. You be sure you be with us every day. Subscribe, Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your favorite podcast. You can also go to Locked on Podcast Network. Dot com. If it's orange, it's on the Locked On 
Clemson Podcast.